So, if you're here, you're welcome to bring it up, bring your offering up. If you're giving online, the links are in the comments. Um, if you need help, contact us. We'll gladly help you through it. We thank you for your support online as well. Today, I want to talk about good and pleasant. And I'll try and keep my mic in one place so that Sam doesn't have to mess with this stuff. Good and pleasant. Psalm 133, verse 1 to 3. Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments, as the dew of Hermon that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life evermore. This ointment, this anointing oil, was a physical representation of the Holy Spirit. When Aaron was anointed as high priest and the oil covered him completely, the Spirit of God descended upon him, and the presence of God descended upon his people, covering them with his blessing and his promise of eternal life. And I believe God rejoiced a little bit that day. He wanted to be with his people. God's plan has always to be fellowship with his people. Right? Not a mean guy with a big stick waiting for us to mess up. That's someone else's idea of God. God wants friendship. He wants relationship. And this ordination of the high priest allowed him a small piece of that. And God saw that it was good for the time being. Better things still to come, amen? When we live together in unity, God says that it is good. He compares our unity to that anointing oil of the Holy Spirit. When we live together, when we work together, one of Satan's greatest victories is if he can get the church divided. He knows that a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. A divided church is powerless. A church in agreement can make anything happen in this world, according to Matthew 18. Right? Whatever we agree on together, it'll be done for us by our Father in heaven. And this is what Satan fears. So if he can get the church divided, we will not pray as one. We will not be in agreement. Jesus prayed that we would be one. As he and the Father are one. They were in agreement because Jesus spent time with the Father daily in order to see what the Father was doing. Philippians 2, verse 1, Paul says, Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Our agreement must be based on what the Father is saying and doing, not on the fact that we get along and have similar interests. We can be in agreement on all kinds of things if we think the same. Right? If you like fishing, you can be in agreement that Saturday we should go out to the lake and we're going to catch some fish. 
easy. And it doesn't have to have any significance in life. But we need to be in agreement based on what God says. What the Word of God says. Our agreement must be based on Scripture. Looking around, it's easy to see that the church is divided right now. There's disagreements on everything from lipstick to abortion. And even the fundamentals of faith and salvation are argued over. The church has become a laughing stock to our enemy. Our testimony and our integrity are on display. Jesus said the world would recognize us by the love we have for each other. Yet we're fighting and arguing amongst ourselves instead of battling together against the principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I believe it is because we've allowed our preferences, and not the word of God, to dictate what is right and wrong. We've allowed the teachers of the day, both spiritual and secular, to mislead us. They speak well and they sound good, so we follow along blindly. We've been warned. We've been commanded to be self-controlled and alert and to watch out for false teachers. That's why I say we allow it. right? Because we don't measure it up against the Word of God. Paul talked about the Bereans and said they are more noble than the rest because they actually went and studied to see if what they heard was true. I don't think we care enough sometimes whether it's true or not. I worked with one guy, he says, I already tithe my hour a week in church. I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> it's like a duty. I showed up, that's got to be good enough, right? It's not. Ephesians 4, verse 13 to 16. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lay in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies." according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, makes increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. There's a lot in there. But basically it says, grow up. It's time to mature. It's time to not be children. Children are easily swayed. Right? Mom says, don't go with strangers. Stranger says, you want to see my puppy? Unfortunately, 
we as adults don't often stray far from that idea. Right? God says, don't go there. Someone else says, what about this? Oh, really? Do not be children. Do not be swayed by the cunning craftiness by them who are waiting to deceive. Be alert. Pay attention. Know what the Word says so that when you hear the false statements, red flag, that's not right. Right? That's our responsibility. That's not pastor's responsibility. His responsibility is to bring us the Word. Our responsibility is to get into it for ourselves and see, okay, how does this apply to me? Some people have said, I don't have to take my Bible to church. If I can't trust what the pastor says, then I shouldn't be going. I thank God that we have a pastor who studies as much as he does to make sure that the word he brings is accurate. But there are others who speak into our lives as well, whether we like it or not, and we need to be aware. We need to build ourselves, build each other up. We need to build up the body in love, right? We need to work together. What does unity look like? First thing we need to remember, unity is not conformity, right? There's a difference. Conformity is action in agreement or accordance with some specified standard or authority, according to Merriam-Webster. That'd be some form of religion or like the military. Right? Someone says this, you do it. You don't have a choice. Well, you do, but the results are not pleasant. Court-martial, things like that. Unity is a condition of harmony or accord. Continuity without deviation or change as in purpose or action. A few synonyms for unity. Balance, coherence, consonance, which means agreement among components. I like that. Harmony, orchestration, proportion, symmetry, and symphony. So picture an orchestra. A group of musicians, often quite a large group, gathered to play together a certain selection of music. Now, are all of the instruments the same? No. Do they all play the same parts? No. Do they all have the same purpose? Yes. Individually, specifically, they do different things, but the purpose is still to perform the selection of music together as a group. Right? Do the players follow their opinions and thoughts of how the song should go? 
No. That would be chaos. You get a group of 60 people who all have their own idea. Everyone wants to take some creative license. That's called chaos. Our worship team, when we practice, we sometimes stumble into that when we're learning new music. You don't want to be here for that. In fact, we don't want you here for that. That's why we have practice, so that when we all come together, there's order. doesn't sound nice. It's not pretty. When we get on the same page, every part contributes and fills up the entire selection and makes it whole. Every player in the orchestra follows the conductor who is leading them through the selection of music according to the composer's plan. Right? Are you seeing where this is going? Now watch this. Even when there's a guest musician or a featured soloist, that player follows the structure and the plan of the music. Every player must learn their part according to what is written And every part must work together to accomplish a common goal. The key is everyone has to learn the music and follow the conductor. That's the word of God and our Savior. Right? We need to follow the music. We need to learn the music. Ask any professional musician how often they get up on stage and play flawlessly a piece that they've never seen before. Some of them get lucky once in a while. But most of them will say, the more I practice, the luckier I get. (laughs) Right? The more you study, the better you know the music. When a player decides to follow their own ideas and play different notes, they quickly clash with the others, and it causes division and irritation And it turns away the audience. So how do we correct this? Number one, realignment. Romans 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So what stands out in your mind when you read this verse? Usually, it's the no condemnation thing, right? Which is very important, don't get me wrong. Too often, Satan has us powerless because we're feeling guilt and condemnation over past sins. Right? When you're feeling guilty, you've got no confidence before God. 1 John 1 verse 9, however, says that if we confess our sins... God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. No more guilt. 
We need to maintain our confidence in God's faithfulness and trust in his grace to save us. Unfortunately, that's where many of us stop reading. Pastor Jerry always says there's two sides to every pancake. We've heard it said, I'll say it again, a lot of God's promises concerning me are conditional. Right? If you do, then I will. Right? If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the condition and the promise, right? If you keep my words, you will have success. If you seek me first, I will provide everything you need. Joshua, Matthew, if you stop robbing me, I will open the floodgates of heaven over you. If you hold to my teachings, you are truly my disciples. You are my friends if you keep my commands. If, 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 that if is here. If I do, then God can. Right? It's not that he doesn't want to. He can't. Right? What happens if you water a garden of weeds? You get more weeds. <laughs> so God can't bless us when we're living in sin because it'll amplify the sin. If you live by the Spirit and not according to the sinful nature or the flesh, no condemnation will overtake you. Right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So then we think, I'm good. I don't live by the sinful nature. I'm not a murderer. I don't commit adultery. I don't steal. I don't cheat. I'm not a drunk. So I'm good, right? God, I thank you that I'm not like those others who do all those things. I give my tithes and I give to the poor and I do all these great things for you, God. And I'm so awfully humble, God. <laughs> Sound familiar? But what is the flesh really like? Most of us don't have to deal with murder issues, right? The flesh starts like this. I'm not sinful, I just have a problem. Right? Well, I can explain. If so-and-so hadn't done that, I wouldn't have reacted that way. That's what the flesh sounds like. We try to justify our sins as problems or blame it on someone else. That way it doesn't sound so bad, right? It's not pride, it's confidence. There's a difference. I'm not impatient, they should know better. Self-reliance, laziness, gossip, Idolatry, we don't want to ever admit that, but 
all of us have at one time or another been faced with the reality that we put something before God. Simply put, that is idolatry. It is an idol to us. Bitterness, unforgiveness, anxiety, depression, lies. And let's not forget personal preference. These are all characteristics of the flesh, the sinful nature, and us all too often. Amen? For those who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit of God. I like the use of the word after in this verse. When you're after something or someone, who's in front? Right? If you're following, who's in control? You have a choice not to follow, but as long as you're following, someone else decides where you're going. Right? Who or what is setting the standard for your life? Who is determining how you live and conduct yourself? I believe we need to examine ourselves and consider the dominant influence of our ideas, opinions, and beliefs. With so much media input trying to get us off course, it's time for a realignment of our thought patterns. We need to get back on track with what God is saying. Right? There's so many opinions and ideas. Conspiracy theories, like everywhere. Which one do you believe? Or do you believe any of it? Which one lines up with the Word of God? That's what we need to know. Number two, repentance. 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14 and 15. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways... Then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. God is calling us to repent. And he's saying, I'm listening. I'm here. I'm waiting. I'm not far off. If there's a problem in our land, I was talking with Bonnie about this the other day, if there's a problem in our land, the, it's, the problem is with God's people. If there's a problem with God's people, the problem is in our heart. Because the condition of our heart affects our entire life. Look at the history of Israel. When they served God and worshipped Him, all was well. They prospered. They were feared by the nations around them. They lived at peace. When they turned away from God and followed after other gods, they began to experience failure, drought, invasions, enslavement. We look at the world and say, what a wretched place this is. But really, the problem is here, at home. 
We have no right to condemn the world while we are living in sin. And I'm not talking about the gross stuff that Paul was mentioning in Corinthians. Although there is some of that, unfortunately. I'm talking about pride, gossip, favoritism, casual dismissal of the word. I believe that is our biggest offense, church. What's God saying? Well, I'll deal with that later. Yeah, I know he said that, but that doesn't really apply to me, so whatever. Casual dismissal. In one ear, out the other. Lack of reverence for God. We run after strange teachings that do not line up with the Word of God. We substitute God's wisdom and the direction of the Holy Spirit with Dr. Smarty Pants and the latest publication of Doing It My Way Today. We've become faithless, powerless, and hopeless, blinded by feel-good teachers with a partial truth. It's time to get back to seeking the Lord first. Lay aside the weights and the sins that trip us up so easily. Then watch as Father begins to restore and rebuild. Watch as healing begins to flow and revival sweeps across our nation. Repentance brings healing. Number three, renewal. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. There's this big idea going around that we need to use our own judgment. Well, you have to think. Use your head. God gave you a head. Use it. God gave you a mind. Well, my mind is constantly in need of renewal. When I started out, the one I started out with is prone to sinful, wicked thoughts that are contrary to God. His thoughts were not my thoughts. His ways were not my ways. I need to renew my mind daily to take captive every thought and make it obedient so that I will have the mind of Christ. The wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. It is sensual and devilish, and along with it comes confusion and strife and every evil work, because it's contrary to God. I need to renew my mind. Romans 12, verse 2, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Right? With all the input we get, we need to decipher truly what God's will is. So how do you renew your mind? With the Word of God. You spend time with Him, reading His Word, listening to His Spirit. You meditate on it. Roll it over in your mind until it becomes real to you, until it resonates in your spirit with everything going on in our world. The influence that we face every day, we dare not face it alone. 
We may have our ideas and opinions, but we need to hear from God. He knows the ins and outs of every situation, and He knows what steps we need to take, both personally and as part of the larger body of Christ. We are an orchestra. And just like the orchestra has many sections with some members that are similar in sound and appearance, there's a wide range of sounds and tones that make up the whole. We are part of a bigger picture. God's word is the music. Jesus is our conductor. We need to be on the same page, reading and following the notes he has written for us to play. We must resist the temptation of doing our own thing and following our own ideas. There's an audience listening to our song. Let's make sure we play well for the glory of God. Father God, I thank you for this time together and your presence. I thank you for your word. I thank you that you are calling us to a place of unity and perfection, maturity, that you are causing us, Father, to grow and to be made more like Christ every day. We ask you, Father, continue the work. Do not let us go. Do not let us be at peace as long as we are away from you. Draw us to yourself. Set us on fire again, Father, that your glory would be seen on your church. Keep us, Father God, as we go from here, as we leave this place. Let your angels stand guard about us and bring us back together again. In Jesus' name, amen.